0: I thought today we'll discuss micro front ends and theoretically it makes sense to me, but practically I'm not sure how it works. So before getting into that discussion, can you elaborate on micro front ends for people who do not even understand what the term means?
1: Sure. So micro frontend end is an architecture or a de- design approach where you Where the front end is decomposed into individual and independent, or loosely together applications. The idea for this is, um, if I have an I have an application or a product that I'm building, right. Now, if the split is front end and back end, and within front end there are multiple teams, it's very difficult to make that coordinate. uh, is it's very difficult to coordinate over a project. Uh, the release timelines gets a little sketchy uh, how a particular feature gets deployed becomes difficult let's say there is one feature which is in the pipeline which is not ready for a deployment and you have another feature that needs an immediate deployment how do you schedule things for that how do you keep on rolling releases as you go so micro frontend is uh, is a is a paradigm or a technique or a architecture pattern to solve this kind of an issue. In very layman terms, it brings microservices architecture from back into front-end.
0: Do you see multiple frameworks being a part of micro front-ends or in your scenario is just one component, one framework and then
1: just dividing the architecture into front-ends? Um, while this is absolutely possible, and, uh, but again, I would not recommend that. Uh, the idea being um, obviously, there is a cost to everything, right? Um, and if you have different frameworks, uh, they will have o- their own loading uh, time and uh, there's a cost of latency that you'll pay. Is it worth the effort? Is it something that you want to actively spend your re- resources on? Rather, if you want to have a standardized architecture, Um, there is a lot of pieces of code that you can reuse in your organization. For example, even in a dashboard, you would still like to have a a common theme, right? Uh, Now, if for, let's say, one one architecture is based on X framework, the other is based on Y framework, and they are not compatible. So then you're probably reinventing the wheel. You are, uh, and for a very simple example, let's say there's a button component. Uh, at one place it's in React and the other place it's in it's just jQuery, right? Then you probably you have to ensure that they have a common CSS. Their functionalities is the same. You'll unit you'll write unit tests twice and things like that. I don't see that as a good use of time.
0: That's what threw me off when I read the definition of micro frontends because. At least the first few articles that I read, people were propelling for multiple frameworks being used.
1: So that's. But but okay, let let me put it this way. Um, frontend language being the same, or or framework being the same, right? And let's just talk in terms of the data source. Let's say there is one piece of code or one widget that needs to be reactive. Mm-hmm. Right, uh, or let's say there is one piece of backend, which needs to do a lot of parallel processing, whereas other is a very rudimentary and latency is not of high concern. So you can use very two different languages to build those APIs independently and not wait. If things will go wrong or not, you can, you can run an AB experiment only on one widget, right? And that will not interfere with any other part of the application. Mm-hmm. Uh, traditionally, when you run AB experiments, the idea is you're testing only and only one thing. And that's how it works because that's how you're able to find, um, if the metrics are pointing to the right direction or not. Uh, but yeah, I, I see a lot of benefits with micro front ends. So,
0: uh, I'm a little confused. How does that differentiate? How is that different from just either a component-based architecture wherein you have different components or just if you even want separate deployables, you can just use monorepos, right?
1: Uh, you're talking about the front end or the back end? Front end. You can, have, okay. Uh, when you say monorepo, what do you mean? I mean, if you wanted to abstract different pages out
0: as some repositories to maintain them separately, you probably, it's an overkill, but you still can do that. Or you can just have, the basics of component-based architecture is you have different components for different pages, right?
1: Sure, Uh, okay. Working in both monorepo and uh, repo architecture, right? Uh, Both have, both of these architectures and philosophies have their pros and cons, to be honest. Uh, I'll not say that one is right over the other. Mm-hmm. Um, I have seen use cases for the, both of them and I've worked with both of them on production. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking about a high highly scalable product or a highly scale, scalable company in this case. So there is a definite use case. And I'm sure there are things that you can achieve with... Um, uh, Mono-repo. Mm-hmm. But after a point of time, one, one conflict that I felt was uh, defining the ownership. Uh, so what you do is you basically say this feature is being owned by a particular team. That's a feature o- A is owned by team A, feature mm-hmm. B is owned by team B, and feature C is a cross-cutting team, which is a common team, uh, uh, which will build the common components. Okay. Right. Uh, which is owned by Team C. Uh, there are still s- grounds where things go slippery. What if there is a new architecture or a new paradigm? Uh, team A wants to get bring into their platform, right? Mm-hmm. Now, what they will have to do is any piece of JS that they will write will bloat uh, the entire uh, uh, the entire JS um, build. Mm-hmm. the other way to do is using suspense or uh, basically doing a sharding of uh, js files right but again to an extent if you if i take a step back that is something that i'm trying to achieve even with mono, even with a monorepo the idea is to make independent teams mm-hmm. uh, and do independent de- deployment if I am striving for that, what should stop me for from uh, creating a micro frontend? So, so I'm not I'm not arguing that you need this. I'm saying I do see a use case for this. So
0: is micro frontend just organizational team structure around front ends and then the tools can vary, or How
1: do you define it? I'll definitely not define it that way. (laughs) I don't know how I define it, but that's not how I'll define it for sure. I I I will not push myself at the edge where people can just throw me off, right? (laughs) And if I agree to that statement, it will be probably just doing that. Um, I can say that Microfrontend... the approach is uh, to give autonomy um, autonomy back to the teams. That's one of the uh, takeaways for sure. So there, so teams can have con- complete control on the features and roadmaps without having to align uh, specific deep. So a mega, I think it basically ensures that you don't have a mega change or a cross-cutting change and your impact of change is limited to your product.
0: Okay, and how do you see it in terms of execution? Do you see every team having their own repository or monorepo, or it again varies according to you?
1: I think uh, we are still in the early ages of microfront, right? frontend So... Mm-hmm. Um, oh i can talk about what i think should be done yeah definitely everyone has their opinions <laughs> yeah so i i would probably prefer each team having their own repositories own packages okay. having their own uh, ci cd or having their own pipelines and deployment strategies mm-hmm. uh, which is not interfering with anyone else they are just accessing the global state or the global um objects or, or, or references through um, through props, so that they are reactive. Uh, for example, um, what I can do is at one point of time, I can have a Redux um, or, or any other state coming in, and I can then build a stream out of that. Mm-hmm. And then my one architecture can be completely reactive. Whereas other architecture can be uh, something which is entirely different using or uh, following an entirely different paradigms. So
0: one repo which is just a skeleton of the application and then multiple repositories for each of the different parts of the application something like that
1: okay
0: and what are the i guess let's discuss both the benefits and the disadvantages of that compared to mono repos.
1: advantages um i see that each team will, okay, in a monorepo, the fundamental problem is there is one pipeline to deploy the entire change. Okay. Um, with micro frontends, you'll have different pipelines. Mm-hmm. This is one thing that I think is a, is a major win. Um, mm-hmm. In case of fire, right, when one team says, I don't want to deploy uh, because things are broken, and the other team says i want to deploy because then things are broken <laughs> which, which what <laughs> path will you take the immediate path is to take a rollback right <laughs> because previous state was the right state but you can you get to these weird scenarios uh with micro front end that that is less likely to occur um testability becomes a little more eased out mm-hmm. um Apart from that, the choices of technology, architecture and paradigms, I've specifically not chosen the word uh, framework, uh, but that becomes independent. Mm -hmm. Every team is responsible for their own. Uh, The downsize would probably be, uh, I think payload sizes is one downsize that I can think of. Uh, Definitely if people are using different frameworks, right? If not, again, things can be sharded and Mm -hmm. uh, it can be done independently. Um, The another con that I see is uh, having that base setup uh, will require hit and trial. Mm -hmm.
0: Uh, Especially
1: with a team which is not um, um, very well catered to micro front end. They might have some um, ramp up time needed. There might be some operational uh, complexity which will be in, involved in running this uh, but i do see um, benef- i do see simple and decoupled code bases as, as a good um, as a good pros pro in this case where in de- each team is managing their own um, so there are autonomous teams who are uh, who have the autonomy to decide their roadmap and deploy it also will bring in some additional communication
0: overhead if something needs to be changed in the main
1: skeleton of the application. So not really. Um, Again, think of it this way. I have a global state uh, and I'm talking about a pattern, something I reselect, right? Mm -hmm. You have a selector, you are selecting something. Uh, in in functional programming, there's a concept called lenses. Um, lenses is basically a uh, data. It is a function. I think that that's the easiest to say. Lenses is basically a function which gives you two properties: uh, um, get and set. In in a very high level term, what you do is let's say you have a you have a mega object which mm-hmm. is like has plenty of data. You don't need the entire object again, right? And Redux because it. Uh, generates a new object. Every time you have a new mega data on every step. So what lenses do, does is lenses gives you a mechanism to view only a certain part of certain, a part of the tree. Okay. And you can only update that and get a new object very quickly. Right. Okay. So, so just, just think of it as a magnifying lens. Right. Yeah. You, you have a giant object. You are just focusing on certain parts. And that is something very analogous to what reselect does. Right. You have a reselect, you write a selector that says, okay, I want to select this, this particular property from the state and then update that. Right. Which is very similar to um, both these concepts. I haven't
0: used so,
1: reselect, but I get the concept now. Okay. So now this would be very similar to that. mm mm-hmm. I have a mega state tree. I have a mega state tree and all each widget has to do is only be responsible for their information. There might be some information which is obviously being used by all the other teams uh, like user and things like that, which would probably in most cases be a read only Mm -hmm. or even if it's a write only, it shouldn't be much of a big deal because any which ways your state is your single source of truth
0: yeah and then probably there's a cross functional team that
1: is taking
0: care of cross functional
1: functions. Yeah. okay yeah. Uh, so obviously you'll need one team which is uh, which is cross cutting mm-hmm. um for example uh, every team every product has a different ui ux yeah so sometime uh, by hook or by crook you always need one team which is ensuring that the global ui ux is the same right mm-hmm. uh, there is one common team across the product uh, some people call, some companies call it the platform team some call it the common ui team and things like that so you will you will definitely need that here as well yeah that makes sense the
0: definitely the next question that i have is it makes sense for probably an enterprise who has a crazy amount of teams working on different parts of the product. But does it make sense for a medium sized organization or what would be a good team size to start incorporating it? Or do you think it's
1: also applicable to smaller team sizes as well? Okay, this is relatively new. And every company, every product has has its own requirements, right? But if I were to do an architecture today, I would probably do it in a micro end fashion. Um, One, um, irrespective of the team size and number of people working on that, uh, on a particular product, uh, irrespective of that, I'll start with a a micro end architecture. The idea being um, I can break down parts of the page into multiple sections and each one of can be de- deployed and developed or oh, sorry, each of these components can be developed and deployed separately. I don't have to wait for a particular day or a particular release strategy to follow. Um, the These um, tools and technology can have their own uh, underlying architecture. Just to give you a bird's eye view, micro frontend is basically one um, there is one front end and one back end application, tying it to the, to, to the front end, right? That means every component um, has a different, uh, is making a separate Ajax or an API call uh, to the back end. And then those are getting clubbed together. So uh, different parts of the application can have different data sources, which is coming from different database or um, or XYZ data source. So. In a in a big company I agree it definitely makes a lot of sense for me it makes a lot of sense even for smaller companies uh, because they have to move faster mm-hmm. uh, smaller companies uh, probably don't um, probably would feel very fast uh, would try to ship as soon as possible um, and get to production very quickly and as and as a company is growing they would want to identify um, leaders and points of contact for the in their organization and want to assign pieces so that they are able to accelerate individual domains and that is something where it it fits phenomenally additionally if for companies which have a dashboard kind of an architecture there is something that i see that this is uh I, i think that's that's one example that i use to visualize myself um you can assign parts, a real state of a page to multiple teams and they are developing independently. They have their own sprints or Kanban boards. They have their own deployment strategies and nobody is impacted by that. You have obviously have a, have a, a mega, the, the wrapper component which basically holds everything. But apart from that, uh, things are very independent. I think this covers a brief overview of what micro frontend is. As a reference, I would definitely recommend going through Martin Fowler's blog or article on micro frontends. Additionally, if people have time, they should try doing a POC. It's a very fun side little project, but should give you a good understanding on how to proceed from there.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree and I'll probably try and do that. And if I end up being successful, I'll probably put a github link in the description if you don't find one i was not successful
1: (laughs) sounds good or after that i'll be waiting to read about it on your blog i'll I'll definitely if i'm successful i'll definitely make a post and martin fowler
0: is one resource i think everyone should just refer whenever they want to he just writes so much content around so many industry practices so I, I I definitely think Uncle Bob and Martin Fowler are just <laughs> legends that everyone should ref, be referring to definitely and this is it thank you so much uh, thank you for watching the video and hope it was helpful and I'm hoping that you'll subscribe to wherever you are watching this and also join our discord server for such discussions you you also get to give us feedback about things that we should. Cover in the future, or just tell us what we should be covering more of because there are so many topics, and we, we still are not sure which
1: ones to cover, which ones not to. Thank you. <laughs>